Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Oh, hello everyone, uh, welcome to this podcast from the ITAM Review. Uh, joined today by Mike Corey and Dean Bolton from Licensed Fortress. Uh, I'm sure they'll be familiar to many of you. They are now veterans of doing ITAM review podcast. I think this is at least their at least their fourth. Um, so welcome, Mike and Dean. Good afternoon, everyone. Good morning, whatever the case may be. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this is Mike Corey. Thank you for joining us. Thank you both. Um, so today we're going to have um, a bit of a deep dive into the Oracle Java changes. Uh, Oracle changed licensing terms for Java back in January 2023, and we're recording this in late March, and I think it's safe to say that we're still coming to terms with the impact that this has had. Um, and we're going to go through and have a look at kind of what we can do about it. Well, first, what the detail of the changes is and what we can do about it as ITAM managers to really kind of reduce the risk, the financial risk in particular, of having Oracle Java in your environment. So um, let's kick off. I'll kick off with sort of. Um, what changed and fundamentally what changed is that Oracle have moved away from processor or named user plus licensing for, for Oracle Java and switched it to employee, which is a very blunt measure uh, and a very easy measure for Oracle to, to impose. They just need a count of employees. Um, so really all you need to have an exposure for this is um, a detection of an Oracle Java version that's licensed under this new metric. Um, and Oracle needs to know how many employees you've got. Well, obviously that they can get that relatively easy from a variety of sources. So there's no discovery as such. There's no kind of like trying to move things around or optimize things here. It's just a number of employees times a list price. Um, what we've seen and what we've heard from, from customers uh, people have contacted us is that typically this is leading to a two to ten time fold increase in costs when it comes to Oracle and Java. So um, it's a big, significant impact, not least in this time of rising prices and uh, falling demand. We are in a bit of a worldwide recession at the moment. Uh, prices are going up due to inflation. Um, uh, Oracle, not least, have, have put their prices up in the last year. Um, using their usual um, uh, process for that, which is in your contracts. Uh, so we've got rising prices, falling demand, falling revenue for us, perhaps as, as, as it companies, falling workforces as well. Of course, there are many layoffs going on at the moment. And so this is a, a tricky time, I suppose. If you've budgeted for your Oracle Java licenses um, this year, well, chances are your budget is severely under budgeted and you need to do something about it. Um, so that's kind of the background. Um, let's get into some of the detail. Um, could we get into what's exactly changed in a bit more detail, what versions are involved, what it means for companies and so on? Um, over to you guys. Sure. And, and before we get into uh, the details in there, I just want to add one thing to that, AJ. And it's it's uh, they've called the new metric employee. But the uh, the devil's in the details, and their definition of employee is also quite expansive. 
So it's not just your full-time employees, it's also your part-time seasonal contractors, agents. Um, and so by their new metric, it is quite expansive. And for a lot of uh, customers that we're helping, a, a much larger count than they even initially realized. Yeah, it's, it's a good point that because of course, many organizations have pretty seasonal workforces. I mean, you think about retail and hospitality, um, you know, there, there's massive changes in in um, in workforce at busy times. Um, now, I, I know from my previous employer, we used to take on hundreds of extra staff for for, for, the, for the start of the booking cycle in um, in uh, travel and tourism, for example. And retail is the same, I guess, around holidays and so on. So, yeah, it's um, it's it's uh, as always with, with, with Oracle, it's a um, uh, it's not what it says on the paper. <laughs> uh, it's it's a bit more detailed than that. So, yeah, good point. Thank you, thank you, Dean. Yep. Um, just kind of as an overall background of of you know what's happened and how we got here, right? Was Oracle purchased Sun uh, back in two thousand nine? Um, about eight years after that, they decided they were going to try and monetize uh, Java as part of that acquisition. They announced that uh, in two thousand nineteen, uh, starting in April of two thousand nineteen. Uh, non-public releases would be under a new uh, contract and a new subscription model. Um, and that applied and, and still applies to uh, versions that were um, released after then. So uh, it's Java 6 past version 45, Java 7 past version 80, uh, Java 8 past version 202, and Java 11 past the base release. Uh, so anything after that uh, requires a, a Java subscription, potentially, if it's not covered by another uh, licensing, restricted use, included usage. Uh, some examples of that are something like if you're using it for another Oracle product, like forms and reports or e-business, PeopleSoft, um, that usage is covered by the terms and conditions of the other application. Uh, SAP has an agreement. VMware has an agreement. A lot of the big vendors went ahead and made a commercial agreement with Oracle to cover usage for that. So those instances don't require a subscription, um, but anything else on that would. And in 2019, the, the, the options, as you mentioned, AJ, were either um, the Java SE subscription, which was processor slash core count based, um, or the desktop subscription, which was named user um, plus base in there. Uh, and so you had a lot of customers who were working to kind of control where it was installed and running, um, limit the uh, the usage there, and procure just what they need uh, from Oracle um, on that. In January of this year, they changed it yet again. And as you mentioned, it's no longer based on installations. Uh, it's no longer based on named users. It is that full count of employees, both full-time and part-time, as we just discussed, across your entire organization, whether they're technical um, or not. Uh, and uh, that's a, a very simple metric where you go out and, and procure those subscriptions uh, if you need it. Uh, it's just, as you mentioned also, maybe not the most cost-effective metric for a lot of customers. And that's mirroring what we see when we're helping customers evaluate the, the usefulness of these uh, products going forward. And just to kind of put a perspective on it, if you're an organization of about 3,000 people, you would be looking at about $400,000 US a year. If you're an organization of 10,000 people, you would be looking at starting at about a million dollars a year. 
And so this can very quickly go up. The only good news is that if they come after you for past usage, they have to rely on the old metrics. They can't enforce the, the new metrics on you for past usage. But moving forward, if they find one use that isn't licensed, then you have a very quickly escalated cost. And a lot of the application vendors were really cute in that in their installation guys, they said to you, install Java, now install our application. Well, by doing it in that sequence of events, they put the burden of the license on you and took it away from themselves. And so you really do have to weed through which vendors include it, which vendors don't, and then come up with a plan because they are going to come knocking. There's just too much money. Java is everywhere. Oracle knows that. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I would say that it's everywhere is, is perfectly accurate. It, every, everything is using Java, isn't it? And, and yeah, like you say, because because it's a development framework and, and, and underpinning technology as such. Um, yeah, you have that method where you install Java to, 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 to run to run the application you actually want to run. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's it's everywhere in Oracle now. So I, I guess from their perspective, what this does is makes it really easy for them to just monetize that purchase they made way back when when they um, when they purchased Sun Microsystems. It's it, it is there's no there's no discovery required um I, I suppose as well i mean I, i'm sure they could say that it greatly simplifies it from a customer perspective as well you know you don't have to do discovery and work out well what's oem and what's what's what does need licensable and what versions and so on um because it is as soon as there's just one version of a program that's licensable under this new metric that's it right that you know you're, you're paying the bill for everything it yep, also exactly like right yeah, I was going to say, it also illustrates what are the problems with a subscription-based licensing model. There are certainly advantages. I'm not going to discount that. Sure. But under a perpetual model, had you perpetual licenses and you didn't agree with what the vendor stated for the new pricing, you could just stop paying support, use those license models with a legal right to do that, but you couldn't get your updates, and then figure out a course of events to get yourself off that vendor. With a subscription model, you have a problem because if you don't pay that support, they just shut you off, mm. right? And Computer Associates, I would argue, is the one that really started this, acquire a company, change the pricing model, extract your your you know that extra money out of the customers. Broadcom uh, acquired them. And there's a real concern of what's Broadcom going to do with the VMware licensing, which is all subscription-based moving forward, yeah. right? But make no mistakes, a vendor does have a right to charge what they want. And you have little recourse with a subscription. You either pay it or don't use the software. Yeah, it's it's an important trend. It's something something we discussed um, just recently at the um, Wisdom North America conference, um, particularly around Broadcom and VMware. I mean, I know that's still kind of subject to regulatory approval, um, but they're looking to pretty much double VMware's revenue um, without really spending too much money on R&D and without spending too much money on promoting it. So, well, how are they going to do that if they're not developing new versions and they're not they're not kind of trying to go out for new customers? Well, they're going to monetize their existing customers. And this is what you we see. We saw it also with um, OpenText and Microfocus, for example. You have these legacy applications. I mean, VMware is not by, by no means is a legacy application, but, but quite often it's the case you have these legacy applications which people rely on, don't really pay attention to from a management perspective. 
Um, and they're sat there like this ticking time bomb of compliance risk. Um, uh, and that what that that particular sort of bomb has gone off when it comes to Java, I think. Um, yeah, and to sort of close out that point, um, of course, yes, this is subscription based stuff. When when does this start applying to customers that have either got existing processor licenses or NUP licenses, or maybe they haven't licensed Java correctly already? When does this when does this really sort of start kicking in for for customers? Um, so it's a great question in there for the customers that have existing licenses. Um, everything we've seen so far is that you can still renew on those old metrics that your subscription will just roll over to the next year and you can still uh, take advantage of that. And there's been communications from Oracle that that, that is the case. Now, how long will that continue is the question um, in there. And so um, we're basically telling people that that you should be OK for this renewal in 2023. Um, anything after that in the longer contracts, uh, I would expect that those would be migrating to the new metrics and, and doing your calculations based on that. Um, so that's where kind of your existing contract seems to fit in. For the customers who who never completed the deal or or didn't engage and don't have a contract yet, those are the ones where uh, it, it's really difficult because all of the uh, cards are kind of in Oracle's favor, right? They've made this change. So if you want to go get a new subscription for Java from them, it is uh, their discretion on whether they offer even that old metric um, to customers. We have seen some customers still get it um, post uh, the the uh, January update in there, um, but I wouldn't anticipate that uh, that happening for too many more months and, and new customers all being forced onto this new metric um, and really having to make the difficult decision of uh, whether they want to procure the uh, the Java subscription for everybody in their company um, or undertake the uh, sometimes equally difficult uh, and expensive task of, of moving to an alternative or getting rid of the product entirely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get onto that in a second. I'm just wondering um, if you can sh sort of share in general terms, what are you hearing from your customers? Um, you know, are, are you getting people uh, phoning up going, please help, you know, this, this looks like a massive exposure. What, what's been the impact out there in sort of the corporate world to this? Um, that's it. Right. And, and what it's really done is just accelerate um, the decisions. I think, I think customers were kind of taking a wait and see approach on the old metrics. Um, since 2019, obviously, as the years went by, getting a little bit more serious about it. Uh, now, with these new metrics uh, and with customers doing kind of a quick calculation that uh, if it was X dollars before, it's 5X or 10X now, um, that becomes a much more important issue to address. Um, so we're spending a lot of time helping customers uh, evaluate exactly where um, Java is installed so they can help understand what the usage is. Um, and then helping them with the overall big picture of, of planning for, for how to engage in a, a subscription purchase from Oracle um, or how to um, take one of these alternative paths and, and uh, move down um, that choice instead. Okay. So, so what should be the approach then of uh, if you're, you're faced with this, maybe this is the first time you've heard of this, um, what, what should you do first to kind of um, start dealing with this problem? Uh, I think the very first thing you have to do is get a clear understanding of where Oracle Java is installed in your environments and which of those installations would truly require a subscription, right? Mm -hmm. 
and so understanding that you can start to put values to it, right? It's, it's, we need this for this application, right? And you look at what the price is going to be, and then you can start making decisions about, you know, is this the right option for us? Um, and, and I think that's really the key point is, is getting a, a, a look at where you're currently at um, to, to start planning that roadmap in there. Now, there's also the issue of, of back usage in there, and that comes into play as well. Um, as Mike mentioned, uh, the, the usage prior to January 2023 is on those old metrics, so the, the quantities and dollar values can be different on there. But that key piece is, is getting an understanding first of where you're at today um, so you can start making decisions about where you want to go going forward based on um, what the dollar figures would look like for buying the subscription or, or going in a different route. And I guess I'd add to that for those third-party vendors that you need that use Java, starting to put them on notice to say, look, uh, I, I need a different version of Java to work with your application or I'm going to have to seriously consider ripping your application out for those customers that aren't going to continue on with an Oracle job subscription. So really getting a list and putting them on notice and getting them to help you start solving this problem, but having that roadmap so you can prioritize what you, if you decide you're going to move away, what you're going to rip out and what can stay because it's covered by an existing license. Okay, so it's not, this isn't just about your own sort of direct use of Oracle Java. It's potentially those those applications that are relying on an old version um because because I'm, I'm right in saying there's certain versions which are exempt from this and and, and want others that are in scope so yep. but it's I, I you know I, I know from personal experience um it's quite common for applications to be stuck on an old version which makes you liable um so yeah i i see that there needs that conversation with with that service provider to to say well what can we do here yeah. And then even after you solve the problem, you've got a different problem, which is how do I make sure that Oracle Java doesn't accidentally somehow get inside my organization that requires a license and get detected during a routine audit, right. which is probably going to happen every three to five years, right? And create a serious business risk, just like any other unlicensed software. The only difference here is you now know what the metric is. You've been put on met notice. Every employee, every agent, every consultant, every part-time employee, right? That's a, you can do the math very quickly and see what it could cost you. And and this is the thing, isn't it? It's just a single installation is suddenly you're, you're exposed to that massive risk with, 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 with sort of traditional Oracle compliance risk around database or middleware or whatever. Um, it's quite easy for you to ha have that audit notification and do something about it. I guess you know you, you you can be creative about where you're deploying it. You can you can have a conversation about whether that option was was actually being used, for example. Uh, all these things. That it's more of a negotiation, right? Um, which isn't the case here, I imagine. Um, so, I guess next question is we're talking about kind of like well, let's have a look at what's out there. How easy is it to detect Java out in your environment? And to know that it's a particular point release that may or may not be subject to these new rules. Um, unfortunately, it, the answer is it's probably not the easiest. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a couple reasons. One of them is the scale on the Java side, right? For other Oracle products or products from these vendors, you're talking a lot of business critical applications, right? 
those tend to be uh, uh, complex to set up. They require care and maintenance in there. And so generally, you know, customers have rogue installations, rogue setups occasionally, um, but, you know, nothing compared to the scale of something that's on the client side, right? It can really be everywhere. Every single uh, desktop, laptop, mobile phone uh, can support Java and can be subject to having an installation that could um, require a Java subscription from Oracle. So, so the scale, I think, is a huge component of it. Mm. Uh, the other piece of it is is the usage factor, right? Um, a lot of the uh, uh, restricted usage from Oracle and other vendors um, uh, allow you to use it for these specific purposes. Um, and the hard part is also determining what those purposes are and documenting that, right? Tracking that for your own purposes, because oftentimes it will be a common install in there. And then how are you showing or how do you know that that is part of um, your usage for something like e-business, right? Yeah. Or SAP, um, right? And so putting processes in place to control that, to document that um, uh, makes it challenging as well. Okay, yeah. So so we've kind of gone through that discovery thing and realized that that's, that's quite tricky to do. Um, you, you've got to detect whether it's permitted usage, maybe it's OEM, maybe it's, actually is and, and and then you need to know no versions and point releases what's the next step i mean it, it feels to me like it's almost impossible for companies to avoid paying this charge it's almost like a like a new form of taxation <laughs> um as, as such you know it, it's um because it's so ubiquitous um what else can they do to to i guess what are the options for them to follow what are the possibilities that they can they can sort of follow to to um, remove this risk. Yep. Um, well, there's there are a lot of alternatives out there, and unfortunately, um, because it is ubiquitous, I wouldn't say any of them are are truly a free option because it takes work to um, make changes and it takes work to maintain those changes. Uh, but you can always move to the Open JDK uh, version. Uh, mm -hmm. of Java for your needs if it's supported for your third-party applications or your usage. Um, there are other vendors out there, uh, Coretto, Azul, that offer um, a, a version of Java with support and, and more frequent updates in there that'll probably keep your security and compliance teams happy. Uh, and even Oracle has versions that are under different contracts. So currently, uh, Java 17 uh, is under a um, no-fee license uh, model. Uh, when Java 21 comes out later this year, um, that'll be the latest long-term release. So the uh, no-fee licensing will switch to that. So customers could upgrade to those um, and use that from Oracle. Um, but but again, it's it's uh, it, it just takes work because of how um, long people have been using Java before these terms came into play and the scale uh, of where Java can exist in any customer's uh, ecosystem yeah because i guess if you yes if you are if you if it is possible to go up to seven to java 17 or, or or to 21 um that's great but you still need to make sure that you've eliminated all those versions of 7 8 and 11 you know because otherwise otherwise you haven't done the job i guess 100 yep yeah okay it's why it requires some sort of proactive monitoring to make sure that you stay at those versions that are covered 
Yeah. Right? It's just very easy for you to accidentally upgrade something and trigger now a huge license based on headcount. Yeah. And, and, and on that subject, I mean, I know this is something that you do proactive monitoring with um, Oracle database uh, and so on. Is this something that, that you can probably adapt to with your tools for, uh, for also looking at this problem of Java? Oh yeah. And we've actually been doing it for a number of years now. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, our system uh, is really just a change to the license key to enable it to monitor uh, Oracle Java and help customers get uh, an idea of where they're at currently um, and make sure that uh, they stay in compliance by not getting any rogue installations uh, mm -hmm. down the road. And by the way, think about this. Let's say somebody has a Windows desktop and they've got a policy that prevents you from downloading it. They go home, nothing prevents them from doing that while they're outside the corporate office. But yeah. then when they, right, so my point is, you really do have to proactively look for this because it will show up in places you don't expect it to show up. And you need to find it before the vendor finds it and becomes a very expensive bill. Yeah, and and those kind of controls are increasingly uh, looser than they, than they used to be. You know, now we're, off, now we're off of our corporate networks quite often. We're just connecting direct to the internet. Um, yeah, we're, we're consuming all of our, all of our business applications might be maybe via the internet via SaaS. Well, it's dead easy then to 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 end up with just downloading something. It may even be for personal use on on, on a corporate laptop, which is, um, you know, I'm sure increasingly common. So, yeah. So it's that. It feels to me like you almost need to kind of engage with your security team here and say, treat this like, treat this like a virus. Treat this as as rogue software, um, and. Because you need to, as you say, you need to get on it quick um, to squash any instances that that are sort of spreading. Really, it does almost feel that way. Like you need to just get it on onto a block list, um, you know, prevent downloads sort of in the corporate network and prevent installs in the corporate network. Um, yeah, wondering what you think about that. I I think there are some some valid uses for it, right? And, and there's some business needs, but. Uh, I, I definitely get the analogy and we've definitely had some customers who have pretty much treated it like a virus mm -hmm. in there and putting blocks and configuration management and uh, all of their monitoring on it in there. So if, if that's uh, what works for your company, because you, you don't have those usages, um, then that's not a bad approach. Yeah. I, I guess as well, there's, there's, there's an element of uh, education here as well. It, it, we're going to need to tell, we're going to need to tell our users about this, our, our employees about this, to to warn them of the risk, um, because it's not something that you download. You do have to go go and download it consciously, right? I mean, it, it's if it's required for an application, it's going to tell you go and download Java from somewhere. Um, so I guess I guess there's a role to play there of just kind of telling people the risk. Uh, yeah, with the one caveat that unfortunately, uh, a lot of the desktop systems have auto update functionality in there. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and so you might have had an old version that was totally fine, did the job um, for valid security compliance reasons, you want to be up to date, you go ahead and update past some of those releases. And then boom, you've got the you've got the problem in there for the entire organization. Okay. So uh, it 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 has a uh, a number of different angles in it that make it very tricky. And so to me, really, it's there's two sides to the problem. Where am I using Java today? Run the calculation. Should I get a subscription or not? 
If not, how do I rip it out and replace it with something that meets the needs, given all these applications that use it, right? Mm -hmm. And keep it where it's covered by an existing license. And then there's the flip side is, how do I make sure that if it accidentally comes into my environment, it's detected, removed, and documented so that you can demonstrate to the vendor, no, you are proactively making sure that you're not using software that you haven't licensed. Yeah, that, 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 that's the key, isn't it? It's not. This isn't a project that you can say, okay, we've done that now. It, it, you need that continuous monitoring, that continuous compliance to prove that you're um, you're doing. I, I, I mean, I'm sure in an audit situation, if you say to if you say to Oracle, well, we have a policy that says we don't use Oracle Java, and we have these measures in place, um, Oracle probably still won't care. <laughs> <laughs> They'll still send, try and send you a bill. Um, so. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's a continuous process. We're going to have to do this forever, basically, um, to, 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 to try to make sure we avoid discharge. Um, so we kind of sort of talked about technical things here quite a bit and kind of what we need to do. I'm curious, what, what do you think Oracle's uh, purpose is behind this? Is it just about making money? Because um, it sound, it feels to me like it's going to seriously annoy a large number of very, very large customers, particularly in the US. Um, you know, the scale of the scale of businesses there. Um, I imagine there's going to be some complicated conversations at quite high level between, you know, boards and 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 the Oracle board on this. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if for some of those strategic vendors, even though the uh, the list price dollar and even the list price has this bucket of over 50,000 employees mm. call us, right? Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if for those uh, truly large customers, critical customers, um, that the discounts uh, offered will bring this back to, into a um, reasonable range to kind of lower the temperature and and not bring it to the kind of board-to-board -board conversation level. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think the tactic is that uh, Java is everywhere. Uh, everybody needs it. And so this is the new uh, simple way of being able to get it and then not having to worry about these uh, the issues of installs and controlling um, all of that anymore. Um, so I think that's kind of their approach is just saying this is the, the you know, shorthand, the ULA of it, unlimited licensing model that they have um, uh, and, and trying to keep that price point down probably so that it doesn't uh, uh, ruffle too many feathers. <laughs> yeah. And I just, in Oracle's defense a little bit, I don't think that they consciously set out to do this. I think this was, we have something that we know has value. We announced to the world that they're going to have to pay for the licenses and expected the world to line up to pay for those licenses. And the world didn't. So mm -hmm. they never really realized the value of this investment. Then they started doing audits and they said, oh my God, this is complex. Job is everywhere. We don't have really any easy way to deal with this. And yeah. then they kind of took a step back and said, well, is there a way that we can license this? The problem is it sounds great from a vendor perspective, but from a customer perspective, wait, what do you mean I have to pay five, 10 times what I used to pay? And then I look at some of the stuff that's going out there in Forbes and other publications. Customers wanted a simpler way to determine licensing costs. Yeah, I sure I want a simple way to determine license costs, but I don't want my cost to go up tenfold. <laughs> like, right. 
right? And and you know, and then there was a, there was a, a Forbes article that talked about how the fact that Broadcom is not going to do this with VMware because VM licensing. Well, maybe the vendor stops giving you twenty percent discounts and they only give you a five percent discount. What's the net effect to the customer? You're going to pay more. Yeah. yeah. So in Oracle's defense, I don't think they went down this path initially purposely to just drive the cost up to an extreme saying you have nowhere else to go but now they're here and they're saying we we have to monetize this we have a right to get paid for our software and they put a stake in the ground it's just unfortunate where they started yeah and and no the the metric that they're using that's a metric that they do use elsewhere i'm sure they use it in e-business so you know e-business metrics can be things like number of expense claims certainly number of employees for oracle hr for example so so i can kind of get their reasoning behind it well let's make it simple um but yeah I, the, the issue is the five to tenfold increase in pricing um something else i, I did want to touch on um i saw mention of the fact that um it's also potentially a lever to to sell you oracle cloud infrastructure because uh oracle java is is free to use in 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 OCI is is that the case and is that really practical to kind of think about well we're, we're going to start deploying our Oracle Java apps in in OCI to get around this uh, I mean it, it, it is true um, I just don't know if given the scale of of where customers are really using Java um, if that's going to be a deciding factor right because yes you could start deploying your uh, Java applications in OCI um, but then wh where's the other side of that? The users that are uh, connecting to it. And, and it's kind of the end user side of things that I think is is driving that. And so um, from, from what we've seen, what we've heard from customers, um, it, it doesn't really do uh, do the trick to just move things into OCI to kind of get rid of this issue. Okay, cool. Thanks. I think we should probably sort of wrap up and summarize here now. Um, so so no, this change has happened. It happened in, in, in January 23. It's applicable now to uh, anyone going through a renewal phase, um, particularly if you if you don't actually already have Oracle Java licenses under processor or, 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 or named user plus license models. Um, it's really important to go out and do a quick audit of where you are in, in, in your um, environment, what's deployed out there. Um, if you find a single copy, then get ready to pay a bill if Oracle come knocking. Um, and so we, we then kind of sort of touched on thinking about continuously monitoring that to kind of solve that that risk here of you know, rogue installations, perhaps of Oracle Java being out there. Um, yeah, anything to add to that, um, Dean and Mike? Yeah, I guess I would just add that you definitely have to get a handle on how you used it in the past and mitigate that business risk, right? Because yeah. how you explain to Oracle you deployed Java is going to have a huge impact in what that past usage cost would be. And you can bring that down just being smart about how you did it. And then moving forward, just having a plan in place so that you don't get caught during your next audit when they start asking questions about Java. I, I think the uh, that point is right, is that um, if you had your head in the sand before, it, it's now become... Uh, a, something that needs to be addressed in a, in a proactive way. Um, there's a lot of alternatives out there, um, but it really needs to be, you know, reviewed and planned for um, and not just, you know, kicking the can down the road anymore. 
Yeah, and I would just wrap up with that and say that no, this is a, this is a big risk. This isn't one to try and handle yourself as an IT asset manager. You need to alert your senior stakeholders. If you haven't done so already, then you kind of need to do that right now, because this is a substantial financial risk for for, for most organisations. And I would also say as well, um, you know, don't try and handle this in house. Go out there and um, and 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 look for help. Talk to the experts um, on this because. It, you know, it's a it's it's a complex uh, risk to manage. You've got to think about um, can can we move applications onto versions which aren't chargeable? Uh, can we move off of Oracle Java even? Can, no, these are all very big projects and very big conversations to have with with architects, with your with your board members, or certainly with your IT leadership. Uh, and also, you're going to need help. I, I would say to, to to actually address this problem. And I guess I'd add one last thing, which is if you do have Java licenses, how long do you expect Oracle to continue to let you license under the old metrics? Yeah. Because nothing obligates them on a renewal to say, oh yeah, we're going to let you use that old metrics moving forward. Yeah, it, it, that's a very good point to wrap up on actually. Of course, being a subscription, they can change the rules. Uh, it's not how it was with a perpetual license. So as I think, Mike, you said earlier, if you have a perpetual license, well, you can carry on using that on the terms that you you agreed to when you purchased that license and and, and, and put it into use. And that's no longer the case with the subscription. No, the, the, the goalposts can be moved multiple times. Um, so you have to really factor that into your long-term decisions about using any software, not least Oracle. So great, thank you. Um, thank you both. Thank you, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Dean. I, ho I hope that's really raised the profile um, of this issue uh, for our listeners. Um, we have a number of articles around this this subject, uh, including a nice handy little calculator for um, calculating a sort of a ballpark risk cost around this based on employees or or, or whatever the other metric you're, you're using. Um, so yeah, reach out to us. Reach out to Mike and Dean. Um, if you need help with this, and uh, we'll be more than willing to help. Perfect. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you.